0: Welcome to Feminist Coffee Hour. You can find us online at FeministCoffeeHour.com, on Twitter at FemCoffeePod, or you can send us an email to FeministCoffeeHour at gmail.com. I'm Elizabeth.
1: And I'm Karen.
0: And today we have a very special guest, Jill Louise Busby. Welcome, Jill. Jill spent years in the nonprofit sector, specializing in diversity and inclusion, speaking in academic institutions, businesses, and detention centers on the topics of race, power, and privilege, and delivering over 200 workshops to organizations across the Bay Area. In 2016, fed up with what passed as progressive in the Pacific Northwest, Jill uploaded a one-minute video about race, white institutions, and faux-liberalism to Instagram. The video received millions of views across social platforms, and we're here to talk about what happened next in her recent book, Unfollow Me, Essays on Complexity. Welcome, Jill. Hi. So tell us about this book. That's such a big question to start,
2: <laughs> start with. You know to... Break it down into any specifics. It's um, I think it's a book about being both an outsider and an insider in that space in between. and especially over the last few years, when for me, insider meant viral fame or micro fame, and outsider meant feeling in conflict with that micro fame. So I think if I had to sum it up, since I'm on the spot, I think I would say that about being an outsider and insider at the same time. And that conflict that exists in a capitalist society when you have goals, ambitions, skills, and talent, but you don't want to sell them to harm other people. <laughs> so I would say it's about that.
0: Yeah, I did have a chance to read the book, and that you are conflicted about those things definitely comes across. Do you think you wrote the book to resolve that conflict or just to address it?
2: I wrote the book because I felt like And I'm sure someone is because we miss a million things in the hype machine. So someone is talking about it, but I hadn't seen it and I wasn't looking to solve anything with it. I just wanted to say that it was happening. So it's really a book about saying, hey, this is happening. And if you feel this way about it, this is okay because I've definitely felt this way about it. And let's talk about why. So I wouldn't say it's the most solution based book unless honesty is a solution, which I wink, wink, happen to think that it is, but you know, I wouldn't, I
0: wouldn't say that like in an interview. (laughs) The whole diversity trainings are becoming like a really hot topic now because people are kind of presenting them as a solution. And in my experience, like I work for like a medium-sized nonprofit, most of these trainings have to do with just compliance with the law, like how to comply with the law. But it seems like what you were offering and you and your mother were offering was something much bigger than that. Is that what you think people wanted? Do people want more than that from you? My mom went to law school. She loves the law.
2: And um, there was a lot of law happening. But I think it was an either or. It was like, hey, you're going to do this because it's the law or else we're going to talk about it. But we can't do that script that's happening where you show up for work and you got a training that day and the person comes in. and you. I don't even know if we're trying to make that work, if I'm being honest, or if we just Need something to make it seem like something is happening. I've done that training and I've also been at the nonprofit and mostly it's just like, oh, that is now happening. Check, check, check. I don't know how honest we can be at work, first of all, with the law, but also just because that's our job. I don't know about anybody here, but I happen to use money to pay for, for things, um, currently. So, um, even though I am in Washington, I'm sure there's all kinds of nice granola stuff going on, bartering and whatnot. I'm still using it, unfortunately. And at my job, you know, there's that part where it's like, yeah, I'd like to do my best. I'd like to help people. I came here to do that, but also you give me my paycheck. So I don't know what our goal really is with that. And I'm, I'm open to someone telling me what they think the goal is because I don't know everything or
0: anything. I was thinking about the difference, like you said, when, when a person is at work, can they really be themselves? And you have a, a, a lot of jokes that I, that I took in great humor about white Unitarians and I happen to be Unitarian That's <laughs> like the thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> And we had one of those trainings about white supremacy culture at my UU congregation. And the, the tone is obviously very different when you're at your church versus when you're in your office and like, where can you be more yourself and stuff like that. And I started to think a lot about like the relationship the audience has with the facilitator. Mm-hmm. And like, and I remember someone was like arguing and being belligerent. And I just thought like, you know, she's a person up there. Like, cut her some slack. And like, I wonder that relationship that you have with your, I guess your clients when you're doing a facilitation, this just actually just came out of me. I'm like, you know, do you think they see you as a person, but also you're kind of presenting you're at work too, even if they Mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering if you could comment on that, but also like, do you think that's kind of like the, like the parasocial relationship you have on Instagram?
2: First of all, I've done two interviews total about this book, both with Unitarian. Like, <laughs> and all the Unitarians are like, That's what's so going on? Funny. I want to say, like, the Unitarians are my people. I feel lucky to get to speak directly to the Unitarian Church. Mm. You no, know, there's like a, an authority. First of all, you don't want to get anything wrong. I'm there to, like, say, oh, we're supposed to do this thing. And then how honest are you going to be? It's embarrassing. We do it in front of other people, the other people. Now we got to worry about what they think about this thing that we just said. And I go into places, so I won't take this identity, but we, my mother and I had a training that we were doing and I had to go into a group of my other, one of my other identities. And I was really nervous because I was like, do I know all the right things to say here? Am I up on the stuff? And I just panicked for a whole month about it. And it gave me a lot of perspective about, is this working for other people? Because I'm really scared. But why would we do it like that? Why would we do it in this group in front of other people unless we were going to use those people to help us like be okay and not just you know witness us mess up so that they can feel like, oh, good, at least I'm not that person doing this in this public setting with our peers. I don't know. I, what I will say is I think there are people who are really trying to do this. Honestly, I do believe that. And I feel frustrated that this is what we've got right now.
1: I've served on a couple of, uh, I'm like having a lot of ability to really, you know, having served on a few DEI committees in academia. And a lot of the time it's really just like, well, People aren't telling the people in power that they have a problem, but some people are saying there's a problem. And, you know, the people who take up the space in these meetings are like, well, we don't know what to do. They should just like tell us what they need and and we'll take care of it. And being from the student side of this as somebody who is not looking for a career in academia after my grad program. I feel like I can just kind of say this Um, Mm -hmm. but being on the student side. It's like, no, actually you've been told a thousand times. You just tell each student who has come to you individually that their concern is not actually about race. Their concern is not actually about their identity. Mm -hmm. Their concern is not actually about any of it. Like people have been talking to you so often that they've learned like that there's a learned Mm -hmm. helplessness now. You've just never listened. And now that you have the mic on diversity, equity, and inclusion, you're saying there's nothing and no one's willing to tell you different because we know what happens when we do, you know, (laughs) and really the sense that you can't say that in these meetings because that would hurt the facilitator's feelings (laughs) or that would hurt the committee member's feelings who has the floor or they might find that humiliating. Mm The fragility of it all—it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it's always it's infuriating, <laughs> and and the honesty is just like there's only really room for one honesty.
2: Yeah, I mean, and those people have a job too, you know, so they answer exactly. to someone else who answers to someone else who answers. No, we don't have the money because some of this also, <laughs> for some reason, comes down to money. A lot of the time, um I don't know why. I haven't figured out why the answer is always it's not in the budget to not be racist, but I guess it's not.
1: I'm reminded of one of your your short videos, your Instagram videos, or a few of them <laughs> around this. just the the concept of the way that finances are so inherently linked to racism in structural white supremacy, but simultaneously used to to say, like, well, this is not about race. This is about class.
2: You know, um, I think it's a lot about class. I think that, you know, that's the hard part of this book is saying that what happens when other identities get power or get money? What do you do? Because real quickly, you can find out really quickly that it's about something else, too. Because now that we will have people, and we always have, in positions of not always, but power, who get to say, like, I deserve all of this. People feel good about that? Because that's how we started. And so I would say that these days I'm pretty concerned about class. I think that, you know, we want to override everything so we can't talk about race without talking. No, we should talk about this instead. We should be talking about all of it. Mm. Right. So it's not taking away from anything to say, yes, it's absolutely about class. I have seen people, I share identities with people who are like, it's about this money. (laughs) I want the money. I want the job. I want the opportunity. I want the time for me. I want the rest. I want the self care of my money. So, yeah, that makes me nervous. And luckily, I get to say it because I'm an insider to that group. Saying it in public is a whole nother endeavor, but it's about all of those things.
1: We like stand a, a both and on this podcast.
0: <laughs> I love both and. I love both and. Something your book made me think about was kind of the concept of. Of white fragility, and kind of how I, I see it from like the term is more expansive than it has originally been defined. Because I think it's not just like, oh my God, that person said I did something racist, I'm going to completely break down. I think that, like, just for me personally, like after the, the January 6th riots, a lot of my emotional turmoil, I think, was white fragility. Those people are white, they're making me feel bad about what they did. I think that there are some people, and I think, you know, you you asked in the book a couple of times, like, why do liberal white women act like this? And I think, I don't know, but, like, my best guess, because I thought about that, my best guess is white fragility. Like, they want to try so hard not to be that drunk uncle or whatever, that they're going the other way and making you uncomfortable in very strange ways. I was wondering what you thought about that, or if there's, like, other ways to think about that term. I love the drunk
2: uncle. So I just want to start there. I wish to always be in conversation with the drunk uncle. (laughs) I think I don't blame the drunk uncle. I think that my question, and especially I really get into this in the last essay, is what am I witnessing when I see white women in the COVID sections, like, correcting each other? You know, like, that doesn't seem fragile. That seems like winning it seems like another type of way to win at something that, I mean, we've seen before and that's not necessarily a judgment. I think that's just like the way we've set up this society is like win, win, win. And like, how am I the best at this thing? And I see a lot of people taking on the ideas. I will be the best at not being racist. I will be the best at listening to you. I will be the best. I will say nothing. I will make no mistakes. And if I do make a mistake, I have a practiced apology for it that you've given me. And like, what are we talking about? Like, what are you doing? That's like, it's a real question. Like, so everybody's right. Nobody has any ulterior motive. Like that's racist. (laughs) Francis just saying, I will listen to all of you equally, especially if you have a platform. And I just, and even though I only see other white people here in the comments section with me, I will choose you. Why? Is it a good look that you are surrounded by 80% white people apologizing? Probably not. That probably means that we're not in the right spot. So I'm just curious about what's happening. I'm not mad at anyone. I'm like, why are you doing that? This doesn't even make any sense. So racist. We're all created equal. No intentions, no humanity over here, no stirrings, no like late night musings about Bill, nothing, just black, <laughs> just black and correcting you. You know, so I would ask, is that fragile do When win? Do you want to be good at it? I like, there are things like, it's like an ex calling you out in real time. Like, do you really want to hear somebody tell you like, no, you're racist? No. So eventually you're going to, especially not in public. So eventually it's like, okay, how do I not get called out for this? And I'm more curious in people like actually working on this than how to be good at it in public. Because I don't know what that does for us. Then I have you in a one-on-one conversation, and you just give me back what you've learned from some person that I know better than to follow. And maybe they're great, and maybe it's me. I don't know. I'm also self-deprecating, but I don't think so. I think if the goal is like the fame, I'm a bit concerned because what does fame take?
1: So I I feel like I hear you talking about kind of the collapsing of nuance. Or this kind of experience of like, well, I'm going to do what Black people want me to do, (laughs) you know, like that statement doesn't make sense. Black people don't want me to do something, you know, (laughs) like it's really not like the vast majority of Black people have never met me, (laughs) like, let alone want me to do something personally, you know this kind of collapse of nuance in terms of well my motives are all good I'm doing what is correct I'm doing what people want as opposed to like I have a lot of complexity and and nuance and right and again the interplay between that and what are the black voices that you're hearing as a white person and the way that micro fame elevates certain kinds of voices over others and the, and the ways that social media algorithms elevate certain kinds of discourse.
2: Right. Yeah. How do we keep choosing these people? Even if it's me, why I have to ask myself why I bet there's a bunch of different reasons that would make me uncomfortable. And yeah, I mean there's an algorithm, there's a popularity, there's an internet. This isn't all black people. This isn't all anyone. This is the internet. <laughs> and so we used to not be as scared about this because that's, you know, it was social media was a place that we would go. But now we know that it bleeds out into all aspects of our lives. We can't pretend that it doesn't. So we're not even hearing from everyone. We're just hearing from really popular people on online. So, I mean, I think if it was about anything, we should ask why we should have some questions for that. And let me say that, like, I think there is fragility. I just think that we all have it. I don't think it's white as something else that white people can't take for themselves. (laughs) There is a fragility. It's, you know, it may not be the same level of intensity if you haven't gotten a win at things or whatever we want to call it but there is a fragility there it is hard for me to also say everything that i want to say or make a mistake with the current script that we've all agreed to and even though we know that that script is changing all the time we still use it to like punish people even though it will change next year <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense like you weren't saying this 5 years ago but now it's all you know and all you care about it's weird it's a little bit weird, that's all. And I appreciate people's effort because you know I also don't want to waste effort. I'm concerned about watching people be like, okay, I see it. This sucks. Where am I going? I don't want that to be just directed it. Well, now punish yourself. That doesn't do me any good. If you spend five years just in your room reading these books, even if it's mine, we don't have a dialogue anymore. You You have to be ready to come talk to me, <laughs> you know. Like, I'm getting prepared to talk to you. I, I, I don't know. I just don't think it
0: helps me as much as I'm being told that it does. I think Karen was right about the, the idea of lack of nuance and, and lack of critical thinking. And I think part of it is because it's easier just to be like, okay, let me like find a popular black person on Instagram and they will <laughs> give me all the answers because that's much easier than thinking about it critically and, and kind of realizing that the problem is bigger than yourself and you're not going to fix it by reading the right books or whatever. And that's that's really hard. It's, it's also hard for me.
2: <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that has everything to do with me and nothing to do with me. And it's hard for me too. It's hard for me to get on my phone and know that I'm a participant in this Western culture, just, you know, vacationing over people's lives and trying to fulfill my every dream and ambition because I deserve it. I struggle with that also. And that has nothing to do with any other identity other than this really big one, which is a Western identity, where I am very focused on myself.
1: I like you've like zoomed the camera all the way out now.
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this is going. I have to well, I, was, I, I had know. a question about you actually. Oh. And I was really interested in the part of the book where you kind of separate yourself from the Jill is Black persona on Instagram. Like I'm very interested in, in like just the topic of like parasocial relationships and, and yeah. that kind of whole thing that happens with social media and other media. And do you think writing those conversations between two different parts of yourself how did that that help you if if it did i think i was
2: trying to um to deal with what it's like to know how to be right at it and that's (laughs) it's like i know what we're doing i know how to do it i would have known how to write the book that would have me a lot less scared I know how. I've been there for it. I was there for the development of this rhetoric. I used it. And once it begins to disagree with me or me with it, maybe both at once, I feel like I'm in a battle not to try to be right about it, also. And that feels relatable. Jill is Black is extreme. You know, it's, I am mad at you. I have sat quietly in these conversations with my friends at my job, in my intimate relationships. And I'm mad. And that's all that I can see right now is how fucking mad. I'm sorry. Is this like family? How fucking mad I am about just the naivete, you know, like I really think it's something that small where it's just like, stop playing with me. (laughs) Just stop lying to me. Yeah, I was mad. And I don't like being lied to. I don't like being told one thing when another thing is very clear because, you know, I'm neurotic. So I was mad and I appreciate that there were people who were going to their job who were also mad and they would meet me in public and be like, I listened to you in the bathroom at my job. You know, that's not lost on me. I've had one of those jobs. It's just... Would I have followed me at this point? Probably not, because I wouldn't have always wanted to feed this one particular animal. But I think I would follow me now. I would have enjoyed the part of undoing it because something that I really respect is courage. And I'm trying to work my way. So it's like, we good on the on the 7th, show? You feeling good about what this will do? Uh, not really. But that feels about right having that conversation is about, I can't can't live in extremes. I think there is nuance. I think there is gray area that even if we decide to let it go, we have to plan it for a second, for a second. And I don't think we let social media control how we have these conversations. So I wanted to have it with myself, by myself in this book, but it doesn't mean that I'm not Obviously, I'm Jill is Black, whatever that means. So the ending is also about like, but that's there. You know, if I experienced this and my first thing is still like, oh, fucking God, here we go with this white shit. <laughs> like, you know, of course it is. And I'm like, what are you saying? Like, where, where are you getting this from? Is this every experience that you have? What is the intention here? Is this part true? What part about you is just filled with ego and you need to be right? But I have to do that. Even if it breaks down to It's racist. There are steps there, you know, so there are steps there. And that Jill is Black doesn't take the steps. Jill is Black has no nuance. Jill is Black is reacting. And that is valid. It, we just can't live in it.
1: There's a part of me that is like, is that part of why Jill is Black is appealing to white Commenters who want to fight over, like, no, it is correct to say this. It is never wrong if you say it the way that this person has said it to me, whereas your internal experience has so much reflection. But I'm wondering, you know, in this conversation, I reflect on my gratitude, and we're in a similar age cohort here, my gratitude for being like baby feminist, baby anti-capitalist, baby anti-racist, you know, at a time when I wasn't posting on Twitter about it or that I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I was on Facebook, but Facebook wasn't what it is right now, (laughs) you know? And, uh, I was never on next door, you know, like I'm not, I'm not on the, like, I'm not into this yelling at each other all the time. And like being trans and seeing this Twitter discourse, that's like, yeah. is being T for T a chaser, but just trans. And it's like, why? Well, whose question is this? Like, is this something that worries you? Like maybe yeah. sometimes people feel comfortable around people with shared identity and other people don't or don't need that or like Mm -hmm. we could all have different experiences with different motivations. Like we can have our little lives (laughs) without saying that everyone else living their little lives is living it the same way or with the same intentions that we are. But once you put it on social media, that nuance is gone. And so when I think about like being new to an identity and just like not being comfortable in it, that's when I think of, like, no, I need mm-hmm. to do this right. And I'm wondering if there's something about having somebody say, like, well, white people, you are wrong, you know. That's is so much that attention. really speaks <laughs> to some white yeah. people who don't know when they're wrong, you know, right. and just really want somebody to make it easy for them.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean... I would kind of, I think if I were a white person during this time, I would probably be getting like a little bit off on how much attention that I was getting, like the power of just like, and nothing can move forward until you do. Like, that's not true. (laughs) I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna give that to whiteness on like, we're just all waiting on you, TikTok. Like, that's a lot of attention. It's a lot of ego to think that someone came to this world in that embodiment like that's that's a strange thing for me like well why am I here it work on just like how do I not you know spend all of my time just like not being the winner like no and then I have internal in-group fighting that I also have to know about, as we all do. So then it breaks down to like all kinds of sub identities and demographics and regions. And I also know about Black people. Not everything about Black people that I have my own stuff going on, just like anybody. So, so I'm like, well, that part's not true, and that part's, not. and we're not sharing across those like demographics at all. We're only saying like, yes, my identity is perfect but we won't even say that on the internet within our own conversations. Like in-house, it's just all like, no, no, no. And then when we go and talk to the group at large, it's like, don't make any mistakes. How? you? But you weren't Like, what are you expecting from other people? What is the expectation of someone else other than yourself? I just don't know why I'm here. Like, I don't know if I'm just here to be Black, why am I here? And you got to just come and do all of this, all of this self-exploration and figure, absolutely fucking not. I will be exploring just like white people until the very end so that things aren't racist. I will be here saying, no, I think I'm flawed and fucked up. I think that this thing was my fault. I think that when I perform this way, I'm doing it for my own ego and my own comfort and my own safety. I will not let white people take nuance from me. I will not join a whole group of people and say, yeah, we've all agreed on these 10 points on Instagram. That's a, an insult to my humanity. <laughs> you know? It's an insult to spend all of my time saying, let me feed into yours based on an identity. I will not do it. I won't do it because that feels racist, but I'm not allowed to say that that feels racist. That it's just all this dedication to educating one group. White people don't have anything to say to me? No, no eyes on anything. Just, Just like, sorry, we know nothing. Well, then that's racist. If you haven't noticed by now anything about me, then that too is racist. Like this is endless. This is endless like this. And that's not to say that we don't have work to do. We do, but why are we setting it up in this strange, like, don't say any, I would rather you not say anything than say how you actually are or how you actually feel. That's dangerous. And I think in this book, Spending Time on Liberals specifically is saying, like, it is dangerous for you not to just go ahead and tell me who you are. I grew up in the South. I know who that group is. I know where they are. I know what they do. I know what time to go be around them. But when it comes to this other group, I always end up like, whoa. And that's a shitty feeling. And that's work. And that's like these little groups that we join. That's what that feels like is I you've surprised me here. <laughs> and so now I have a really strong reaction because you told me that you weren't this other thing. I mean, I'm sure I tell you something too, but still.
1: you know it's so funny cuz you've like talked about like why it is that you came to the kind of fame that you have and and i think that the the way that you phrase things is like very charming and i think that you have a way of of synthesizing like even just kind of on the fly you know really synthesizing really complex multi-layered experiences very succinctly and so I feel like the past like few conversational moments of silence are just like Elizabeth and I just being like damn (laughs) (laughs) like just like wow (laughs) the gears are turning like I need to digest this like let me Mm -hmm. go have a sip of tea you know like (laughs) I want to sit with this
2: (laughs) drama club you know um just a a drama kid turned influencer like like many people yeah I think I'm still excited about it like I it's bigger this way there's more to be excited about saying like oh it's all of these things and now I get to talk to people again that's really exciting because I (laughs) cut everybody off based on being right so I'm excited to be in conversation with people, it makes me happy to think that this is more complicated than I originally thought. And I'm sort of like inviting people into like, yeah, but you're so stressed out. This this came alongside like all of this, okay, but self-care and this thing and watch out. And I'm like, did you notice that we introduce utter rage and self-care together online? You know, because you, you're mad all day and then you gotta go on the trip to calm down. You're mad all day, but you gotta figure out how to be happy. You gotta buy the thing to be happy, you gotta be a consumer so that you cannot be Western. I don't I don't even understand how that works. I I'm confused by it, but I am like a happy person now. And I mean, let's be honest, it's not a perfect book. I think I would have spent more time now that I'm a few months out on like, oh, and I'm happier. You know, like I'm a little bit happier this way to be interested again and to not always
0: be the expert in anything that I am. I'm really glad to hear that. Because that was kind of like a question, like it sounded like you were searching for something, like you were trying to solve like questions that you have by your experiences. And obviously there's no one answer, but but it gave you peace. That's that's that makes the book even better. really nice to
2: hear Yeah, today right now but I'll like get (laughs) off of this call and get on my phone and in six minutes I'll be like what's going on but right now today filled with joy
1: your comment also about the self-care I cracked up because you know In academia, everybody's like really valuing self-care. Like I get emails, like, are you taking care of yourself? And it's like, excuse me, this is my business. (laughs) Like, please don't make work about how well I'm taking care of myself. Why don't you give me some time off (laughs) if what you really want is for me to take care of myself? Mm -hmm. Why are you giving me the kind of work that's requiring that I do extra (laughs) self-care?
2: That is a great question.
1: So, like, healthcare is just, like, another way to report about my personal life at work. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) It's a good
2: check-in question, you know?
1: (laughs) I have very strong feelings about this as well. I understand. (laughs) I understand. And also, like, in particular, I'm in a helping profession. You know, I'm a clinical psych student, so... Everything is about like well, we we actually statistically know how to take care of yourself well. So if you're not doing it in X, Y, and Z way, like oh. maybe we're a little concerned about you. That's so stressful. It's extremely like hazing. Academia is very much known for its hazing, but it's hazing yeah. under this guise of like, well, we're we're trying to make sure you're taking care of yourself because this is very hard, right? I feel like so many of us are kind of in this space that's like maybe it was better to have no idea what anyone was up to after work like maybe maybe I didn't need to know every aspect of every public figure's life like maybe people who are actors who are really good at being on tv and entertaining me in this role I don't yeah. care what their political opinions are. <laughs> I don't know how much they want us to be paying in taxes. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And so I'm like on top really of hearing Everything things.
2: else too for ourselves. Like now, I also have to manage everybody else's. Can't can't even land it for myself. But now I'm also watching everybody else's. Like, uh oh, don't do that. But that's a good way too to. Be right, you know, because it's like we don't have a full story. And even if it's true, we just happen circumstantially to not have full stories about intention and history and who these people are. And I don't know. I'm concerned that I've got like I love pop culture a lot. So let me say that I just love it because I think it's important and I think we should be paying attention. But I happen to know, like, you know, let's say I know two or three people who should be canceled based on what I'm seeing out here in the culture. But every year on their death date and every year on their birthday, they're celebrated. And I think like, what a strange thing to sit here with like the information that like, oh, this person has done this thing and here they are. It's like, we're in a battle not to get caught doing the thing. And it was fine. I think when it was illegal or extreme or you know we could we could sort of agree like no we we don't want this thing to happen but now for mistakes the unfollow of like oops okay wait hold on I mean I like to do it too I just am scared that it'll be me so it feels like a good thing to do would be to write a book like this one so that I can test that theory out and see if I mean, it's I right there in the title scared uh of it being me and i am so that's just something to sit with because i'm obviously i've made mistakes or i disagree about something or many things or i'm still trying to figure out something about me and i don't say it the way that i would say it in two years and now i get to be scared that it's me and that's its own lesson but yeah like it's so funny for you talking about self-care because everything you said just sounded so stressful Like, imagine that we could even add neuroses to that. Like, we're just, we've got to give ourselves a little bit of credit. Like, we sell it, we stress about it, we turn around and say it never was going to work, and then we move on to the next thing. But self-care was going to work. We just, we were doing a lot of things around the self-care, putting a lot of pressure on the self-care. So you would have the idea of like, oh, we should be like giving people this time off. People should have sabbatical, they should be like having these life experience They should have time. By the time we finish, I, I don't know what we're gonna say about it because that part was true. And then we just we just keep doing the thing on top of it because in the internet and we have to create it because we have to make the internet run. You know, for other people and for ourselves. You get on your phone, nobody's saying anything you're like, Why aren't you saying something to agree or disagree or make me feel good or make me hungry something but we have to keep talking that alone is scary my job is to just keep disagreeing (laughs) just keep being it's my job like that's what pays me i don't know
1: but on the other hand there's still a lot to be mad about (laughs) (laughs)
2: forever forever and ever and ever and ever always something to be mad there's a ton again I can find it (laughs) I can find it right here I can be I can I can come up with a million and they're all valid so that can't be the point because that's like five billion things a second so how do you do that (laughs) how do you do that I mean really it's one or it's all it's us individually working through why we're doing this stuff, or it's everything. Those are the choices we have. You have to go and sort through every single thing that's happening to anyone that is you or is not you, or it's just you and why you do the shit you do and what you want from it and how you can do better. While also not saying you're a shitty person who doesn't deserve love or care or forgiveness while also doing that? We've got a couple different options. I don't, I don't know what the middle ground is on this one, but I'm excited to find out. And I'm sure. Give me just 26 months. And then have me back on and see what happens. Cause I'm probably disagreeing with everything that I said. I'm gonna start it by being like, <laughs> remember when I came on and said all that shit? No, we have to be very mad.
1: So now I'm actually right.
2: I was so, I was wrong then. I'm right now. <laughs> I know I'm right this time. This is the time. <laughs> um, what is the one correct
1: takeaway from this podcast?
2: <laughs> I don't know. And because I don't know, then I'm going to have to fight on behalf of people who are also trying to figure it out with good intentions, you know, that's not everybody. And I can't always know right away, but I have to figure it out because I can't just stay mad forever. And is rage valid? Probably. I don't want to give a distinct or a finite answer on that, but probably, but can it build? a foundation for us to stand on, I I don't know. And I at least want to be in a world where I get to ask my questions and I want other people to get to ask their questions of me. Um, I used to call them trolls, but there were so many people in my comment section saying, Jill, what is this? Like, what are you doing? Three years ago, they were like, are you happy doing this? Like, why do you feel the need to say this? Like, what is going on with you? And I was like, you are a troll. You are a person who disagrees with me. I could write them all. And if I could just apologize to everyone who's like, no, I don't think this black or white thing. Like, I just, I just don't. I don't think you do either. Um, okay. Yeah. So I can only assume that that'll keep happening. If I'm lucky, that will keep happening to me. And someone will, you know, say, hey. I think you might want to look at this and I want to be able to do that for other people in a way that is courageous and nuanced. And um, I want people to not be stressed at their jobs because if we're going to keep doing this money thing, geez, I don't think we need to be worried about forcible (laughs) self-care. It's getting weird out here, folks. Um, You can follow me or unfollow me at Jill Louise Busby or Jill's Black, wherever those people are sold. <laughs> I just came up with that. So <laughs> that thank you, good. Drama Club. I just, I really appreciate this. I really appreciate these questions and this conversation. So it's like a mutual thing. And this puts us in a position like this, but I've learned on this call. So
0: I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You can follow me on Twitter at Miss Pie P-I
1: like the number pie. And you can find me at uh, Karen. <laughs> uh, Thank you so which- much. You've been listening to the Feminist Coffee Hour podcast, tackling political rumors from the feminist outer boroughs of New York City. If you like our podcast, please support us at our Patreon, which you can find at www.patreon.com Feminist Coffee Hour, or, you know, do a Google for Patreon of Feminist Coffee Hour. Our patrons get early releases of episodes plus other cool perks at higher levels. If you can't support us financially, you can always give us a five-star rating on iTunes and write us a review as it helps the algorithm know we're there and that people like us, like you. Our intro and outro music is Making It Hard by Bridget Ellsworth, and you can find her music on SoundCloud.